Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Not gonna lie to you. It's kinda kinda weird hearing this music on a on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Usually we hear it on a Saturday morning. Uh, it is just after four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And I guess officially the daily roundup beginning right now. Last day of our uh, first week of the new format. And Every Friday now, between 4 and 5, it is Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. How you doing, Rob? Said it's uh, kind of weird to, <laughs> to kinda see weird. you in yep. here and do the show. I know, right? At 4 o'clock in the afternoon. On a, on a Friday. But hey. here at sunrise. Hey, <laughs> it, this is going to be a good thing, though. It is. Because you've yep. said you've had people tell you. Yeah, a lot of people tell me that they're not up that early on Saturday morning, so they'd love to hear me on their drive home. A lot of people said they're going to be listening on the way home, so hopefully you're there listening. Hello, everyone. And hope you like the show. Good, good, good. All right, yeah. we're here until 5 o'clock. Of course, we'll take a few breaks in between here and there. But uh, we're taking our outdoors questions or, or observations or whatever you might want to do, talking outdoors today. And uh, we'll take you right on up until 5 o'clock at 281-1150. That's here in Appleton. Outside the Fox Cities, it's the TDS Metrocom line, 866-887-1150. Or you can always jump online. We do podcast this show as well, so I'll log online to whby.com and click on the contact us, and it will get into us. Yeah. So, what you been doing? I've been busy. It's been a crazy <laughs> week. So Have you? So, yeah, and for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, if you're new, I mean, this show is all about anything outdoors, so nature and gardening, those are my two special specialty topics, so anything that you're seeing at your bird feeders or in your yards or on your hikes or anything like that, animals, plants, whatever, weather, the hail yesterday, that was wicked. I saw some pretty wicked hail damage um, this morning as I was going up toward Black Creek. It, it but, hailed around here? Oh, yeah. Yes, pretty bad, actually. Really? Yeah, I was driving um, yesterday afternoon, not today. This was yesterday when we had the severe storms, but um, hmm. this morning, um, I didn't see it yesterday, but I was driving up through Black Creek this morning, and there's just like blocks and blocks, like country blocks, like south of Black Creek, where every tree, I mean, like half the trees are stripped of their leaves. And, you know, all these people have to rake, and it's only August. Hmm. But lots of big hail up there. And then more big hail in Green Bay and down by Fond du Lac, too. So Wow. See, I didn't know it got that bad. I, I was, yeah. I was uh, having my, and we can talk Kiwani, about this. I, oh, we, can, we can talk about this uh, yeah. later on in the show. But I had my first, believe it or not, I've lived here 16 years, just over 16. Yeah. Never crossed the border into Door County. Oh. I had my first Door County oh. experience. Where'd you go? It was, I have no idea. Such and such bay. I don't know. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Kept, I kept saying, so what bay are we in now? Oh, what, yeah. Uh, what port are we in now? Yeah. Oh, uh, I love Door County. But yeah, I think we ended up in, uh, in, in Fish Creek for the first night, and then we stayed mm. in Sturgeon Bay the second night. Oh, you stayed for a couple days. So Ooh, yeah, it was good. just on a whim. Just, hey, yeah. let's, let's go. That's the way to do <laughs> let's it. Let's just take off. Um, yeah. because it's very rare that I did not have to work yesterday. So we just we left the other day, oh, stayed nice. the night, got up, did a little zip lining, and oh, you did? Yep. Oh, yeah, it, it was, was a good day I, up I, there. I got to tell you about some of the things that, that that I saw up there. It was very nice. I mean, it, yes, it, it rained just a little bit, but yeah, 
didn't keep us from from being outdoors in Door County. That that can be oh, a I whole know. show right there. Oh, folks. I know. I've, I've done it before. Yep. Give, me, give me places in Door. I mean, I want to go back. I will. That. Yeah. And Door Fall County. Is one of the best what do you times. experience in Door County? There's a good topic for yeah. you. Yeah. Give us a call. Places you like to go. Obviously, for me, I'm a I'm a big nature guy, outdoor guy. So I like to go to the the you know the wild places, especially on the 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 east shore, where you know everyone goes up the west shore through Fish Creek and Sister Bay and stuff like that. But I like the west shore, Bailey's Harbor, and or the east shore, Bailey's Harbor and Jackson Port and Wind. Uh, Whitefish Dunes and Cave Point, all those cool places. Oh, so you're mentioning places I know I went through. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of that sounds familiar. <laughs> now you got to stop. Oh yeah, yeah. it was just absolutely gorgeous. Though. Yeah, it was a beautiful day yesterday. I, I didn't know it hailed I, down here though. I guess that's the oh yeah. Getting back to that. Yeah, from Kiwani uh, all the way from you know there was hail, hail down in Milwaukee and Hartford, all the way up through Fond du Lac and um, Chilton, Kiwani, Oshkosh, Green Bay, right here in good old Appleton, Kakana had wow. some Black Creek. It was a pretty wicked day for yeah, severe storms. I guess storms. I got to check around my house and see if I got any damage. Yeah. And some of it was pretty big. They said like Green Bay had uh, hail larger than quarters. They had pictures of it all over Facebook. So, my gosh, pretty cool. So and yeah, if you don't know me, I'm a big storm chaser, so I like storms. How about giving a little? I guess that's how we should open this. The first foot, the first official portion of this being an official part of our lineup here yeah. on Fridays. Little background on you. Who, who's uh, Rob Zimmer? A little background on me. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I used to be the nature and garden writer for the Post Crescent and all the other uh, newspapers in the area, the Gannett-owned newspapers. But um, when the USA Today kind of took them over, they, they went through some changes, and I'm no longer there. So I'm here on the radio. I'm doing a lot of other things. I, I'm a nature and garden writer. I still do a lot of writing. I write my own magazine. I write for Wisconsin Gardening Magazine um, and some other ones. Appleton Monthly, you'll see me in there every month. I have a uh, travel and adventure uh, column in there every month. So you'll see me in a lot of different places. I write for the Shano Leader, the O'Connor uh, paper, and a couple other things too. But um, basically, I just like to be out and about in nature, exploring things, plants, flowers, birds, uh, helping people answer questions about their garden and their yard and everything like that. So How'd you get into all that's this? That's what I love to do. When um, you were a little kid, you just realized, hey, this is what I'm Yeah. I mean, right out of high school, days, I started I'm writing. Paid to be outside. Yeah. Well, right out of high school, basically, I started freelance writing for um, some some nature. I started in nature writing, obviously, with um, Birders World Magazine and Birdwatchers Digest, which are two of the big bird watching magazines that are out there, and, and that's how I got my start. I did a lot of articles for them. I wrote for Silent Sports, which is a, a pretty popular Midwestern outdoors magazine. Uh, Wisconsin Natural Resources, Michigan Out of Doors, and some other ones. Wisconsin Sportsman. So. Uh, a lot of different stuff like that. I, I actually got started in nature from hunting with my dad when I was little, you know, hunting and fishing. That's the way you learn about nature is to be out there in it. And, you know, that's that's how I started. And I, I've just always loved it. And writing is my uh, what I like to do. And, you know, they always say write what you know. So I started writing about that kind of stuff. And, and people enjoyed um, seeing my programs and public presentations. I do a lot of public programs that I'll talk about Um through, through for some of the master gardener groups and other gardening groups and, and nature centers and things like that that are um, all over the state really and now I've been invited to speak at a couple places out in on the Atlanta coast which is going to be pretty cool so hmm. Really? Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. You're going to you're not going to be around here long, are you? You're going to go national. Aren't oh, you? no, I'm not leaving this place. <laughs> I love it here. You know, a lot of people say, I want to live in Florida. I want to live here, here and there, but I love it right here. You need all four seasons. I mean, I'm a, a nature boy. Well. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, yeah. if you want to give Rob a call, 281-1150-866-887-1150. How'd you end up here on the radio? Um, I, I started <laughs> doing stuff with Kathy. I started, yeah, I started guest um, guest appearing on Kathy Keen's on, on the Good Neighbor Show, and um, like years ago, or called? when did you start doing that? No, I think it was. Well, maybe it's been two years now. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Yeah, and people um, obviously have a lot to say. A lot. They always have a lot of good questions, a lot of good comments. And you don't have to just have a question to call. I like to hear from people who are just seeing things in their yeah. yard. You know, I, I like reports. Like, what are you seeing at your bird feeder? What kind of birds? What kind of butterflies in your garden? You know, what are you seeing out in the woods? What kind of mushrooms? Things like that. So um, you don't just have a question. You have to have a question to call. So you can call me with anything. But, yeah, I started with her, and then um, we started the Saturday show. So for those of you who don't know, the show is on regularly every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., Right mm-hmm. here on WHBY, and you can listen to all the old podcasts and things. Usually in every show, we do a Wildlife of the Week, a little Wildlife of the Week feature where we talk about a certain um, Wildlife of the Week, mm-hmm. which we'll do tomorrow morning. And then I do a top 10 list, to a, a kind of an outdoors nature top 10 list, which we'll do today also. Okay. And just uh, take calls and questions. And I get questions from email. I get questions on my Facebook page, which is Rob Zimmer Outdoors. So if you're on Facebook, check out Rob Zimmer Outdoors. It's an awesome, fun page and I uh, get questions there through email and um, over the phone obviously good yeah. all right well 281-1150-866-887-1150 we gotta take our first time out here we'll come back and uh, more with Rob Zimmer talking outdoors we want to hear from you here on 1150 WHBY and also 103.5 FM happy song <laughs> <laughs> it is such a happy song isn't it? it's the happy song <laughs> the happiest song in the world <laughs> uh, no, that's Walking on Sunshine, remember? Oh, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, we will. Uh, maybe. Maybe. You're lucky. <laughs> that's Rob Zimmer. I am Joey D. This is Outdoors here on WHBY. Every Friday between 4 and 5 now. It's just a happy show, isn't it? It is. Right. It's happy. Well, let's head over to Patty in Appleton. Patty, you are first up today outdoors with Rob Zimmer. Hi. Hey, Patty. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So I have a couple questions. One is in the raspberry plants that I have, like right now, the ones that are on the outside, they're not fruit-bearing this year. I'm assuming that they will be next year. Um, and they're very tall, and I'm going to have to put something like on each end and some sides on it so that they don't bend all the way over and touch the ground because then, you know, it's, your, your raspberries are all in that sandy soil. Yeah, yeah. Um, so inside of those, outside taller ones were where the berries actually produced this year. Can I assume that I should go in and cut all those um, that produced berries this year out of there? Not necessarily. It depends. Do you know what kind of raspberries you have? Because it depends what kind. No, I don't. Yeah. To be safe, if you're not sure, I would prune out maybe, maybe just a third of them. I wouldn't prune out the whole thing. I would just go down and take out about a third of them because some of them, I mean, you don't want to cut out everything or you might not have everything, anything next year either. It kind of depends on the type of raspberry. To be safe, I would take out maybe a third of the canes, you know, at least the oldest, woodiest looking ones. Okay. Yeah. As far as the end ones, uh, did they flower? Uh, was there a problem with them not fruiting? or? Or, I don't know why they didn't fruit. They have on them right now, which look like little buds, but they're not going to, I don't think they're actually going to produce fruit. Oh, yeah. So they have little, are they little green miniature berries or no? Yes. Oh, they are? Yeah, they're like little, be- yeah. So maybe it's just a different kind that, that fruits later. I know there are some that, you know, fruit well into fall, so you might just have a later variety. Do you know what kind you planted there? Or no? No, I no. don't. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm, I'm, my husband bought them and he planted them, so oh. he might remember, but... Yeah. Um, the other question that I have is we planted asparagus first and then put in the um, raspberries. And obviously raspberries, they suckle up and then they go all over. Yeah, yeah. But so I'm, I'm thinking it may be easier to move the, um, the asparagus to a different location. 
because yeah. they're the raspberries are moving into the asparagus. Yeah, if they're getting overrun, I would get that. I would move that asparagus. Fall is a great time to do it. You know, the next couple of weeks, the next eight weeks or so is a great time to move asparagus. Um, just take out as much as you can, and, and you know, get it start a nice fresh new bed somewhere else. Hopefully, you know, in a nice sunny area, and you should have you should have success. But yeah, I would. They're probably going to get crowded out in there. Although asparagus, you know, sometimes it likes it crowded, but. Um, I, if for easy access, you know, I, I'd get it out of there and move it somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. You bet. Thanks, right. Patty. Thanks, Patty. Appreciate the call. 281-1150-866-887-1150. Claire, you are up next. Good afternoon, Claire. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Claire. Hi. Um, Ron, I listen to you once in a while on Saturday mornings, but I'm glad you're on now. Thank you. Quick question. In our backyard, we have, when my daughters go out there, um, bees that come up, and I don't know where they're coming from, if it's from the ground or whatnot, but they get scared and run away right away and don't want to go out in our backyard. Any suggestions on what I can do? Yeah, I would, I would definitely find out where they're coming from because there's different types of bees. Um, some of them do nest in the ground. There might be a hive out there somewhere or a, a nest out there somewhere. Um, have you looked at them close enough? Are they hornets or bumblebees or... Honeybees no, every time or... I go out there, they don't come out. <laughs> well, of course, that's how it always goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, if yeah, if you can locate the nest, I mean, if you can locate the nest or the hive, that's obviously the best thing. You can kind of um, just kind of either block it off. I mean, obviously, with with all the news that we want to, you know, we ha- we have such a shortage of bees, we have such a shortage of native be- native bees, especially. I mean, you want to do everything you can to to realistically. Um, keep them safe at least because they're only going to be out there for, you know, a couple more months and then they'll be gone. But if they're like hornets or yellow jackets, something like that, then um, then I would probably be prone to trying to remove that nest. And you can call. There's companies that you can call to come in and dispose of those. Um, sure. You know, to help, help you, you take care of that. you think maybe they're in the ground? They I could be. It, it depends on the type of bee. If it's like a bumblebee, the big, the big furry black and yellow ones, those a lot of times nest in the ground. Sometimes though they'll nest in old birdhouses and things like that. Uh, yellow jackets, the the yellow jackets, the yellow and black ones, the that look like little hornets, they can nest either in the ground. There are certain types that nest in the ground, certain types that make like a big papery nest. Um, if they're the bald-faced hornets with the, with the big black and white ones, they nest in big papery hives like up in the trees. And oh, okay. It, it could be up there. You're just not seeing it. Um, okay. it, it could be also though that do you have a lot of flowers in your garden? It could just be that you're a popular pollinator hangout <laughs> for them. <laughs> I do have some, but not where they're going. So no, I don't oh. know if it's just the the neighborhood. Maybe who knows? Yeah. So you probably do have. Uh, it depends on the type of bee. Like I said, the bumblebees and a lot of our native bees actually nest underground. A lot of the native bees are solitary bees though they don't really nest in big hives so if you're seeing a lot of them it's probably not one of the native ones although it could be bumblebees but it's probably either yellow jackets or um, bumblebees or carpenter bees or something like that okay if you can so identify and then figure it out yeah if you can and, and if you wanted to if you're concerned you know you could have an exterminator come over and they can they can identify it for you Okay. And then they can take care of it whatever way they feel best. But if it's a native bee, you know, like a bumblebee or honeybee, you know, obviously you want to do everything you can to try to keep those keep those around because we have such a, sh- a shortage of them. So Keep those guys happy. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Claire. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 281-1150-866-887-1150. Uh, see here. Do we have time to? Yeah, we'll go to line number three here real quick. We've got Becky in Appleton. Hello, Becky. Hey, Becky. Hi. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a question about um, cardinal babies. Oh, cool. Nesting pair in my um, 
honeysuckle bush. And yesterday, all of a sudden, they were out and about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm not sure that it's a cardinal baby. What do they look like? Because it was it's like a dark gray. It didn't have a crest. And I'm I'm not sure if there were two of them or just one, because I don't I um, saw it on the like on the ground by the um, by my house at the corner by the porch. Okay. Do you I, mind, I, Becky? I do you mind? Oh, do you mind holding for just a second? We have to take a break for news, sure. so I have to cut you off. But do you mind holding through the break, and then we'll come back and talk more about it. Okay, thank okay, okay, thank yep. you so much. Thanks, Becky. Hold on the line there. 281-1150-866-887-1150. Good question there. We'll get back to that after yeah. our local news update. And that is coming up next. Mike Kimeter will be in shortly. As we bring it back, outdoors. Regular Friday feature now. It is Rob Zimmer on the other side. 281-1150-866-887-1150. Let's bring back on... Becky, Becky, thank you so much for holding through the break there. You, we were talking about cardinals with you. Yeah, they still there. I'm wondering if it was a case of um, what is it? Is is it the cowbird that puts eggs in in a different, or is it catbird? Cowbird. Yep. Cowbird. The, okay. Yeah, the brown-headed cowbird is a like a parasitic bird. They'll they'll lay their eggs in other nests. But um, you said your you said your baby cardinal was gray, right? It was so. yeah, a dark. Dark gray. Yeah, and and fledgling cardinal, fledgling cardinals say that ten times fast. They are <laughs> they are gray in color. They they don't look like the parent at all. They're kind of a blackish gray. They almost look like a little baby blackbird. Okay, um, then that's what it looked like. Then. Yeah. Okay. He didn't have a crest. That's why I didn't know if that was. But maybe they don't get that till later either. Yeah, right? that, that'll be a couple weeks yet, um, okay. probably. But yeah, when they first come out of the nest, and you know, it, hopefully he wasn't blown out by the storm or anything. Hopefully he came out naturally, but. Um, I'm assuming the parents are still fine. They know where they they know where the baby is. They're still feeding him and everything. So, yeah, um, he, um, yeah, because they they were very protective of him. Oh, good. All day yesterday and and into the and into the evening. Now today I haven't seen him in my yard, but but I have, but I did hear them in my neighbor's yard. Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's over there. He you could know, be. And stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, but I, I I don't know if there was just one or or if there was two of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, there's, um, hopefully there's more than one. But, yeah, they are gray in color. They have a little bear patch on their face. I'm looking at a picture right now. I just I just went online and looked for okay. one. Okay, and um, they don't have a tail. They're just yep, looking. Yep. Yep. Just a cute little yep. a cute little bird. This one I'm looking at probably looks just like yours. And yep. you can okay. tell the, the, <laughs> I just wanted to, just wanted to ask you because I didn't know for sure. If that, because yeah. in, in my bird book it didn't show babies. It just shows, you know, the male and the female. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of them don't. You have to, you have to either just Google it or go on, you know, go on one of the, the search engines and find it because a lot of the bird guys right. don't show the little, the fledglings especially. They should make a field. That's maybe something I could write, the field guide to go. fledgling birds. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I have I to find them all and take show, pictures. And I have neighbors that are so excited that you're coming on at this time of the day because they are not early risers like I am. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, thanks for letting them know. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Sure. All right. Have a good weekend. You Bye too. Now. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. You come to the right place here. Anytime yeah. I uh, always like to hear that too. And listeners give you an idea of uh, what to write about. Right. I like that. There you go. There is no field guide to fledgling birds. So, hey. Well, there's about to be. There's about to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's head over to Greg in Appleton. Good afternoon, Greg. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing yard work. Awesome. Yeah. So, awesome. Take a break to get to you. Uh, question. You were talking before about uh, butterflies and bees. 
and we need to do more to make sure that they have good habitats. Can you talk a little bit about and write a little about and let us know a little about as we're picking our plants for perennials and annuals, annuals what should we be picking? Because, you know, that's easy yep. uh, to do. We all want to pick the stuff that just grows and we don't have to worry about it and it's easy. But, you know, if we have a little bit of choice to step, you know, two rows to the left and buy something else and take care of getting the bees taken care of and the butterflies taken care of, that's a good idea. So could you talk about that for a little sure. bit? Sure. I'd love to. In fact, that's a perfect segue because tomorrow I'm going to be up in, in Green Bay. <laughs> uh, obviously, when you're, when you're gardening for butterflies and bees and things like that, uh, the best plants to, to get and put in your garden are native wildflowers, native plants to our area, um, and some native grasses too, because a lot of the native butterflies use grasses as their host plant rather than, you know, colorful flowers. But um, tomorrow I'm going to be up at Stone Silo Prairie Gardens in De Pere, which is a native plant nursery. It's the only native plant nursery in our area, our native plant garden center, where you can actually pick out plants specifically for butterflies and, and bees. Um, and that's all they have. And everything's going to be five bucks. And I'm going to be there. It's the Wild Ones Green Bay Chapter Native Plant Sale. And I'm going to be there with my books. Um, I've, I've, ri- I've actually written a book on native wildflowers called Wild Seasons, which you can pick up either there or at Cedar Ridge Crafts and Gifts in Nina. Um, but some of my favorites, I'm actually my top 10 list today that I'm going to be doing is top 10 native wildflowers for your yard and garden for butterflies. So I guess I can just start doing that um, right off the top, huh? Should we start that, Joey? Yeah. So I'm going to give you 10 ideas right off the bat, all right? So 10 great plants for butterflies and Thanks for the call, and, Greg. Appreciate it. And bees, yep. Have a good rest of your weekend. So, all right, so. Number 10. Hold on. you got to oh. let me give you the, the appropriate. Oh, uh, he has an intro. The introduction right. here, of course. Yeah, that was the perfect segue. Thanks, find, here we go. Number 10. Yep, and you can pick up all these native wildflowers tomorrow at Stone Silo Prairie Gardens in De Pere, where I'm going to be doing um, – uh, a presentation. Well, I'm not doing a presentation. I'm going to be selling my books, but it's the <laughs> Wild Ones Native Plant Sale where you can pick up all of these plants and probably a hundred or so more different native wildflowers. So number 10 I have, and these are the best native wildflowers for your garden for bees and butterflies and hummingbirds and, and all that good stuff. Birds too. So number 10, I have Royal Catchfly. Royal Catchfly. Royal Catchfly. What Royal Catchfly is, it's this beautiful scarlet red flower. It gets about two inch star-shaped blooms and they're just gorgeous and it gets to be about four to five feet high. Um, an excellent native wildflower for hummingbirds. Hummingbirds just love it because they like anything red. Um, all of your swallowtails, black swallowtails, tiger swallowtails, giant swallowtails, they all love it too. And monarchs. And it's an excellent, um, plus it's a beautiful, unusual plant too that a lot of people don't have. So royal catchfly is number 10. Number 9. Number 9 is one of my favorites. Actually, all my favorites. So you'll hear me say that all the time. <laughs> number 9 is uh, probably a lot of people call it the number 1 plant for butterflies. So if you're really looking for something for butterflies, get Joe Pieweed. Joe Pieweed. Joe Pieweed. J O E like you. Like me. Pie P Y E. So his name is like Joe Pie. I don't oh, know. Okay. They named him after somebody. Weed. So, um, and it's a beautiful, fluffy, pinkish, purple flower. Um, it can get pretty big. Some of the Joe Pie weeds can get six to seven feet tall, but you can keep them shorter throughout the year by just shearing them back to about a foot or two up until about the 4th of July, then stop shearing. And then when it blooms, it'll bloom at maybe two or three feet tall instead of, you know, seven or eight feet tall. Me pie weed. Yep. Okay. And it's an excellent plant. Um, and Greg, by the way, if you're still listening, hopefully you are, you can see all of these native plants that I'm talking about. If you're from the area, go to the Wild Center in Nina, which is right on Butamore Beach Road, um, right um, on the corner of kind of like Prospect and the Frontage Road there. 
uh, the Wild Center. It's the Wild Ones National Headquarters, and they have a huge display garden there with all these native wildflowers in it. Number eight. Number eight is Shooting Star. Shooting Star, um, because when you're gardening with native, native wildflowers, you want something that's going to bloom in spring, too. You know, everybody thinks of the summer flowers, but in spring, Shooting Star blooms, and that's a really cool um, kind of like a rocket-shaped flower uh, really cool white rocket-shaped flower that kind of turns purple throughout the rest of the year, and it's a really awesome plant. So that's my number eight choice. Number seven. Number seven is Rattlesnake Master. That's a really cool plant with a really cool name, um, Rattlesnake Master. It's kind of a tall, silvery-green plant. It looks like a almost like an aloe or a yucca, but it gets these ball-shaped flowers at the tip that are silvery-green with all these you know, hundreds of little flowers you they don't really look showy like a lot of flowers but they're just filled with nectar and the hummingbirds and butterflies just love that plant plus it's unusual it's almost like a almost like a cactusy look in your garden number 6 number 6 is cardinal flower cardinal flower is awesome it, it's as the name implies, it's a beautiful scarlet red flower. It's in the Lobelia family. It gets about three to five feet tall. It gets hundreds of blossoms up and down this spike. And again, it's an excellent one for all of your butterflies, your hummingbirds, uh, things like that. And that's just starting to bloom now. That's a late bloomer, so it usually starts around August 1st and goes into October. Okay. Well, we'll do the uh, top, five top five coming, coming up, up uh, pretty soon. Over that, all right. The top ten nature yeah. or native wildflowers for your garden. Yeah. So to answer Greg's question, obviously uh, he asked what kind of plants you should be picking out. And the native wildflowers and native grasses are obviously number one for butterflies because a lot of them use those native plants as host plants. And um, I'll talk about milkweed coming up a little bit. But, you know, a lot of people garden specifically for monarchs and the different milkweeds like orange milkweed and swamp milkweed and common milkweed. Um, that's one of the number one plants that people buy every year for, for butterflies because um, the monarchs use it as a host plant. But then lots of other butterflies, um, including monarchs, use it as a nectar plant plant too. So in your gardens, you always want to have something for nectar and something as a host plant. And then the other tip for gardening for butterflies and bees is having stuff that blooms all year. So getting, you know, most of the native wildflowers, your wildflowers and perennials, they bloom for a couple weeks and then they're done. So you want to have like a parade of color that starts like in April and goes all the way through, you know, Halloween or Thanksgiving. And you can do that by picking out the right plants. Okay. Well, we'll get to that top five coming up soon and yeah. uh, much, much more. Much, much more. As we roll along. By the way, real quick before we go to break here. Your number eight is called Shooting Star. Yeah. It just reminded me. Look up uh, if these clouds get out oh, yes. tonight and tomorrow. Yes. The Meteor show. Per, what's it called? Perseid? Per, how do you say I it? I so. Perseid. It, it's, Perseid. it's like the biggest meteor shower all year, tonight and tomorrow. So yeah, hopefully we'll get some, get some Supposed to be nice skies. tomorrow. Tomorrow might be the better time. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Woodland Dunes is actually having a big star show tomorrow oh, night. Cool. So you can go out to Woodland Dunes and check out okay. um, the, the, the meteors, the, the stars, the moon, and everything in sure. their little um, big telescope there. And All right. It'll be awesome. More Outdoors with Rob Zimmer coming up shortly. 281-1150-866-887-1150. Now to check in with your money now. That's right. One of the things on the weekends is Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. Doing it again tomorrow between 7 and 8. Just rise and shine early. Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend to get outdoors and mm -hmm. do stuff. Be absolutely gorgeous after we get past today's kind of gloomy day a little bit. But Hey, we only got a couple more minutes left to go here in the show. Oh, might be cow. able to squeeze in a call. 281-1150-866-887-1150. But you want to hit on a few things here before we get out of here? Yep, I want to talk about a few things. Uh, Greg brought up the butterflies. I do want to talk about, I got a message from, from Jack over at the Butterfly Gardens of Wisconsin. They have a lot of really cool new stuff. They're still open. Um, on weekends, I think Thursday through Saturday. So go check them out. They have a few cool new things besides the hundreds of monarchs you're going to see there and lots of other butterflies they have. 
uh, both wild in the prairie and in the butterfly house, the netted, uh, the greenhouse. Uh, they got a luna moth caterpillar, which is going to be amazing uh, when it transforms into a luna moth. But the caterpillars themselves are huge. They can be four or five inches long. Oh, the sun came out on the sun. <laughs> it turns around. Four to five inches Whoa. long, huge green fat What's things. What's that thing? That's the yeah, sun. that's the sun. <laughs> but they have, we're walking on sunshine. Yeah. But they have the, a luna moth caterpillar that they're pretty pretty proud of. They also have um, fresh honey. If you're looking for mouth-watering honey from their own beehives right there, um, they have some fresh honey that they've the bees have made right from their prairie, right from their butterfly gardens there. So that's pretty cool. And, of course, Jack's out there almost every day. He's netting butterflies to bring in the, into the butterfly house for you to see. So they have several different kinds. They have tiger swallowtails, great spangled fritillaries, um, clouded sulfurs, red admirals, blue butterflies, white ones, orange ones, all different colors. So go check out the Butterfly Gardens of Wisconsin. Also, tomorrow... Um, tomorrow's the 12th, right? Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, from 1015 to 245, they're going to have the reptile road show there. So if you're into snakes and turtles and things like that, too, they'll have a reptile show. There are lots of cool um, snakes, a tortoise, a bearded dragon, geckos, things like that. So you can go check Saw that out. Saw some turtles in a zip line in Did you? yesterday. Yep. So you must have been way up there. They must have been big turtles. <laughs> They were hanging out. Were they, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Reptile Road Show will be there tomorrow from 1015 to 245. Butterfly Gardens of Wisconsin, it's right here in Appleton. It's about two miles north of Highway 41, right on Richmond Street or um, 47, right outside, just north of uh, JJ. So check that out. I also wanted to make sure you guys know where Stone Silo Prairie Gardens is. That's where the wild ones of Green Bay native plants will be tomorrow. Well, I'll be where I will be selling books and th- signing books, things like that. That's on the roundabout of GV and Oak Ridge Road in De Pere, or Ledgeview, um, on the northeast corner of the roundabout there. You can't miss it. You'll see the beautiful stylo, silo that gives it its name. Um, and it's a native plant garden center, a native plant nursery, um, and they're having their wild ones um, Green Bay chapter plant sale. So all of the uh, proceeds go to the Wild Ones Green Bay chapter. Um, so we finish the top 10 list. Okay, let's do it. All we right. are so in we the top to rush through 10 it. native uh-huh. wildflowers for your garden. Number five. Number five is probably, should be number one, but you know, I had to put it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> all of them really should be number one. You should get them all by all of them. <laughs> number you five get them all is tomorrow with you. Get them all tomorrow with me. Yeah. Yep. Five bucks each. Can't go wrong. Yep. New England aster. If, if you know what New England aster is, it's the big purple aster you see everywhere in September and October. It usually starts about the middle of September. It's got about two inch, like round, daisy like flowers with a yellow center. It's a beautiful purple. Um, one of the number one plants for monarchs that are migrating south in the, in the fall, in, in September and October. Um, and it gives you beautiful color. Um, even after the first couple hard frosts, it's still blooming out there. Number four. Number four is wild bergamot or wild bee balm. That's the bee balm that you see out in the wild. It's the lavender-colored one, not the bright red one. It's a really pretty light purple lavender. It smells amazing. Um, it was the, one of the plants we ate and drank yesterday at my wild edibles class over at Woodland Dunes in uh, Two Rivers, which I'll talk about tomorrow, me and Cindy Miller. Uh, Cindy Miller and I did a, um, a wild edibles class there, and we'll oh, talk about that. Can we hear about that? We, yeah. All right. All right, number three. Number three is orange milkweed. I'm surprised I didn't put that number one because usually I say that's my number one plant. But um, I'm thinking for general wildflowers. Orange milkweed is a nice compact, two feet tall, two feet wide, beautiful neon orange milkweed. It usually starts in the end of May. It's still blooming out there now. I saw some yesterday blooming. Uh, just a great plant. Obviously, monarchs use it as a host plant, so their caterpillars will be on there eating it. So if your orange milkweed starts to disappear, don't be mad because that's what you're planting it for, right? It's for Ooh. the monarchs to come and eat it. Um, and number two. Number two. Oops. Number two is ironweed. 
Ironweed is a form of, it's similar to Joe Pie weed, which I talked about earlier, number nine. Ironweed, though, it's a really, really rich plum purple color. So if you like purple, hmm. ironweed is a really great plant. It's three to five feet tall. gets a nice big um, plume of dark purple, rich purple flowers at the top. And that's another excellent plant for hummingbirds and butterflies. Okay, here we go. Number one on the top ten native wildflowers for your garden. Number one is called Meadow Blazing Star or Liatris. There's a lot of different kinds of Liatris out there. There's like 40 different species, but the one that's the most popular for monarchs, and it's hard to find, you'll find it at Stone Silo, though, it's Meadow Blazing Star, which is kind of a bigger, um, fluffier version than the standard spike Liatris that you're used to seeing in gardens that just make a, a narrow spike. All of the Blazing Stars are excellent for butterflies, especially monarchs bumblebees, honeybees, things like that. But the meadow blazing star is number one for monarchs because it actually emits this uh, pheromone that attracts the monarchs to it because it wants them to pollinate it. Hmm. And then, of course, you get lots of monarchs on your blazing stars. Rob, good show. We'll do this again Thank tomorrow you. morning between yes, 7 will. and 8. We both got trips that we need to talk about Yes, from this yes. past week. We will. All right. Door <laughs> County. and All yeah. right. Stay All tuned. Right. we got the 5 o'clock news hour coming up next here on 1150 WHBY. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.